All right, y'all don't seem totally awake. We got one week till Christmas. How many of you excited for Christmas? Let me just hear you. Yeah. So my daughter came into town. She told me, Dad, you're like a big kid, love Christmas. I took her to, I forget what the name of that, Stan Hewitt House on Friday night. We had a great time together, hot chocolate, all that kind of good stuff. Had a blast. I love Christmas. Christmas is like an incredible time of the year. Tons of fun. In fact, I love it so much, I asked Aiden if I could lead you guys in a song. You guys with me? Can we do it? Can we do a song? Look, shake your head like this. Right? I want to know you're with me. Ready? You got to sing with me, okay? I don't get to sing much. Ready? Here we go. Dashing through the snow. Come on, louder. Stop, 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 stop. Aiden, Aiden, come on up here, buddy. I need some help. Here we go. I need you to participate. I'm going to get an instrument too, all right? Here we go. I got this going on. I can never get a chance to sing with you. Dan's wanted to do a duet together ever since I started, so. This is it, right here. Y'all need to help me now, okay? We need it nice and loud. Here we go. One, two. Dashing through the snow. Come on now. On a one-horse open sled. Oh. the fears we go. Come on. Laughing all the way. Bells on by job. And I did pretty good too, didn't I, Aiden? Oh, yeah. I did. All right. That's right. Jingle bells. Raise your hand if you've ever heard it before at Christmas time. Let me see your hands. Written in 1857. Written by a preacher's kid, Lord James Pierpont. They're not sure if he wrote it in Georgia or Massachusetts. I would say with the sleigh and the snow, chances are it was up in Massachusetts somewhere. I don't know. But he wrote it in one of those two places. His daddy was a preacher, so he wrote it for his dad's Sunday school class. That's interesting, right? So that his dad's Sunday school class could sing it at their Sunday school gathering. Problem is this, they sang it at their Sunday school gathering, and the people in the church thought it was too secular to sing in church, so they rejected the song. Shame on you guys, singing jingle bells in church. But here's what's interesting. Listen close. Here's what's interesting. You may not have known this because most of you grew up singing Jingle Bells just the way we sang it, but that is not the way the song was originally written. Isn't that interesting? Like we sing it that way, that's the way we learned it, but that's not the original lyrics. Somewhere along the way, they changed the lyrics to the song, and of what is interest to me is they replaced a certain line. We sing, oh, what fun it is, and the original line was, oh, what, say it out loud with me, joy it is. Isn't that interesting? That's interesting to me. Somewhere along the way, joy went missing and fun replaced joy. Isn't that interesting? In the song, all of a sudden, joy went missing and fun all of a sudden took its place. And the truth is, for many people in this room, maybe in our world, that's exactly the story of their life. The story of their life is somewhere along the way, joy went missing because all of a sudden I went chasing something that was fun, thinking that was going to bring me joy, ended up with neither joy nor fun at the end of my journey. And there's a lot of people today that can't find joy because they went chasing fun and they're like, I don't know what happened. All I got is a load of disappointment. 
along the way. And maybe some of you are in that boat this morning. I don't know, but we've been having this conversation, and the conversation that we've been having in this room is all about joy because joy and Christmas seem to go together. The problem's this. The problem is when we talk about joy and Christmas, it can look like joy left our world and it ain't coming back. That's what we've been talking about. And so we said that a lot of people deal with that by kind of getting lost in their own little world. The problem with that is it can feel like joy is missing in our own little world. And so we can't find a way to get joy. And we said, if that's your story, and many of you have talked to me after, like, that's me. If that's your story, the Christmas story is for you. Because the truth is, that original Christmas story that we put on our mantelpiece, that we sanitize, that we make sound all kind of sappy and fairy taleish, it would have felt the same way. It took place at a time when it looked like joy left the world. We've talked about that. The characters, the main characters, the people even that we know they very well were people just like you and I, real people with real life that they had to navigate, and it could have felt like joy was missing in their world. And there was a group of those people, they were called shepherds, lowest on the social ladder that you could get. All of a sudden, one night, they're minding their own business, doing their deal, and in the middle of that night, they're interrupted. They're interrupted by an angel who had a message, and it's what we've been kind of honing in on in this conversation And that angel in Luke chapter 2, verse 10 said this. He said, I don't want you to be afraid. Why? Because I bring you good news. And this good news, this good news that we all associate with, hey, Jesus is born. This good news is going to cause, there's our word, great joy. Literally, the word is mega joy, and it's going to cause mega joy for everybody, for all the people. And as the shepherds found out, and as we've already talked about, this good news brought great joy for several reasons. It brought great joy because all of a sudden the shepherds knew, hey, guess what? God's been working. Even though 400 years it felt like God was doing nothing, God's been been working all along. He's been doing something. And he's a God who always, 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 always keeps his word. You see, the Christmas story is good news brings great joy because God's working and he's always going to keep his word. But not only that, these shepherds would have found something else out and they would have gone and they would have realized this baby in the manger, that this was not just any baby, but this was God showed up with skin on. And they would have realized this is good news that brings great joy for this reason, because the God we've been praying to, the God that's listening to us is a God who totally understands us. Why? Because he wrapped himself in skin. He lived as a man. He understands. The God we're talking to understands us. But beyond that, these shepherds that this angel would have come to, they would have realized that they were watching lambs, lambs for God, lambs that would have been sacrificed to God. And they were invited to this manger because they were invited to be the first witnesses to the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. And literally 30-some years after that moment, they would have watched as this man, grown-up Jesus, would have been killed on a cross, and they would have realized there is the Lamb of God on that cross, taking my place so that I could receive grace instead. Fascinating, isn't it? And so here's what we said last week. When this, when this joy, when all of a sudden it becomes a reality in my life, several things happen. The shepherds kind of help us see this. And all of a sudden, this joy enters my life and erupts into worship. It's like my response, worship is just my response to this good news. My response to God, to God in my life. It's my response, my life totally responding to the fact that I have good news going to cause mega joy. But beyond that, not only does my life erupt into worship, but my life evolves into witness. That's good news that brings great joy. And some of you are sitting here today, here's the deal, you're like, I need that. 
Like some of you are sitting here today, like I desperately need that joy. Some of you have talked to me like, hey man, I didn't even know that joy was available to me. But there's others of you that I want to talk to this morning because you're like, I've had that joy. At one time I had that joy, I experienced that joy, but somewhere along the way I lost that joy. And just like the song Jingle Bell, somewhere along the way maybe you replaced joy with something else because you went chasing other things and you replaced joy in your life. You're not sure when it happened, kind of like the song, it just happened. And joy for you is something really, really hard to keep and you can't figure out how to keep it because you're chasing an experience, you're chasing some, something in your life that's gonna bring happiness, gonna bring fun. And somewhere along there, like, man, I lost both fun and joy along the way and all I got is disappointment. And here's what you found. Here's what you found. You found, I'm not sure when it happened, I'm not sure how it happened, but in my chase for fun, in my chase for happiness, in my chase for significance, in my chase for prominence, in my chase for wealth, somehow I replaced joy, and along the way, in my chase, listen close, I picked up some baggage. And as I've picked up this baggage in my life, this baggage in my life is sucking the joy out of my life. And the question for us is simply this, joy came to the world, <laughs> it's good news that's gonna cause great joy, but some of us in this room are like, I can't figure out how to keep joy in my world. How in the world do I live this joy journey and keep joy in my world because life seems to suck the joy right out of my world. And it's interesting, if that's you here, Jesus, baby Jesus, Christmas Jesus, grew up to be adult Jesus. And he had an interesting conversation with his closest followers. In fact, if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn here to John chapter 15. It's the second part of your Bible, which is the New Testament. And in John chapter 15, here's what's going on. I want to give you the story. The story is just grown-up Jesus was baby Jesus. Christmas Jesus now is adult teacher Jesus, has these followers and he's having a conversation with them, but he literally, stay with me, this is important, he's hours away from all hell breaking loose. Literally, he's having this intimate conversation, probably in the upper room, with his disciples, his closest followers, and in hours, all hell is gonna break loose. They're gonna come and arrest him, his disciples are gonna scatter, they're gonna falsely accuse him, and then they're gonna take him, and they're gonna kill him on a Roman cross. He knows that when he's having this conversation. He also knows, which his disciples don't totally comprehend at this point, that after they kill him, they're gonna put him in a borrowed tomb. He also knows after they put him in a borrowed tomb that three days later, his disciples are going to be like, what's going on? But three days later, he's going to rise again. He's going to hang out with them for about a month or so. But he knows this. His disciples don't know this yet, but he knows this, that at the end of that 40 or so days, that he eventually is going to leave them again. And he's going to go back with the Father. And here's what Jesus knows. As he's talking with them in John 15, he knows that that's going to leave them unsettled. It's going to scare them. It's going to leave them unnerved. And he also knows this, that when he leaves them, now listen, listen, listen. He knows that when he leaves them, he's going to tell them to live their life, to get on with their journey. And he knows that there's going to be things that happen. There's going to be things that they're going to encounter that are going to cause them to lose their joy. That joy is going to be hard for them to keep. That it's going to be something that's going to be easy to slip away. 
And so he wants to tell them something in John 15, just like he wants to tell you something this morning, just like he wants to tell me something. In fact, let's pick it up in verse 1. Let's read several verses. Verse 1, John 15. Here's what he says. See if you can pick up a theme. Just listen. I am the true vine. That's Jesus talking. My father's the gardener. He, that's my father the gardener, cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. Look here a second. The whole purpose is Jesus says, as you live life, I want you to be fruitful. Like, I want you to bear fruit. I want your life to become more and more looking like Jesus. That's what he's saying, okay? Now, check this out. Verse 3. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must, listen, remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You picking up a theme? (laughs) I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, it'll be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. That's the big deal, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And then if you have your Bibles open, look at verses 9 and 10. This is where I want to really focus. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He knows he's going to leave them. As the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Here's our words again. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this. Why? Look at this. So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Listen. The whole reason he's having this conversation is so that they might keep joy in their life. And what he wants them to know is that he is, this is so key, that joy isn't something I chase, but joy is a person. Joy is found in a person, and that person is Jesus. And he's saying, if you want to know the secret to joy, the secret to joy is remain in me, stay with me, abide with me. Obey me and remain with me. Follow me and remain with me. Over and over and over again. He's saying the secret of joy is remain with me because I am the source of joy. The secret of joy is remain with me because I am the source of joy. And here's the deal. So if you and I are going to keep joy, you ready? Some of you are going to have to listen today because I think some of what I'm going to say today is going to really lean into some of your heart. If I'm going to remain with Jesus who is the source of joy, then then, then what does that mean? How do I keep joy in a journey where I find so often life sucks the joy out of me? Two things today I want you to write down. First is this. If I'm going to remain with him and remain in his love, I must check in my baggage. I must check in my baggage. Listen close. There is nothing... There is nothing that will take joy out of your journey quite like lugging a bunch of baggage. Raise your hand if you've ever gone to an airport. Raise your hand. I want to see who who, who I'm talking to in here. Anybody? Okay. Here's the deal. I've been through and in several airports. Took a trip to Argentina, Mexico, been to Puerto Rico, different places in the United States. 
I find airports interesting because here's the deal. If you're going to an airport, right, you're probably heading somewhere. You're going somewhere. And yet what I find in my experiences in airports is that airports are full of some of the grumpiest people on planet Earth, right? It's interesting to me. And so me being somebody who studies people, I'm like, I wonder why that is because some of these people are going to great places. They're going on vacations. And I have come to the conclusion that the reason airports are full of the grumpiest people because it's not just I got to go on the journey, but the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of these people want to take everything known to man with them on that journey. Am I right? Anybody with me? And so you see these people and they're going on a journey and what are they doing? They got what? Say it out loud. They got what? baggage. And literally, they're dragging their baggage through the airport. In fact, I was on my way to Argentina. I saw this one young lady. She had all this baggage. She's clubbing people along like, get out of She literally sat down in the middle of the airport, and she just sat among her baggage. I thought, that looks awful, right? Because this gal, I don't know where she was going. Quite frankly, she might have been going to some exotic place. I don't know. She might have been going on vacation. I don't know. But all the joy of the journey had left her. Why? Because she was carrying baggage. You see, here's what I know. Some of you are here this morning and you got baggage. You got lots of baggage. Some of you are here this morning and there's no joy in the journey And the reason there's no joy in the journey is because you're carrying baggage. And it's exhausting, it's exasperating, it's disappointing, it's paralyzing. Some of you have been carrying baggage for so long, you don't even know you're carrying it anymore. But can I tell you something? This might be a revelation to you, maybe not. The people around you do. (laughs) Because you've been carrying it for so long and you're like, I don't even know how to live without it. I've just gotten used to it. I just lug it with me everywhere I go. But everybody around you knows because you club them with your baggage. It's why you're negative. It's why you're always sarcastic. It's why you've become the pessimist at the holiday get-together. You got baggage. And somewhere, you're not sure when it happened, just like the song, somewhere along the way, your joy got replaced with something. And in the chase for fun, in the chase for significance, in the chase for prominence, in the chase for wealth, whatever it is, you picked up baggage along the way. And as you've picked up baggage, you're walking through life, and eventually that baggage that you picked up in your life sucks all the joy out of your life. And Jesus Jesus knew as he talked to his disciples, listen, you're going to live life and it's going to be easy to chase things in place of joy and it's going to be easy to pick up baggage. And he's saying this, remain with me. And if you remain with me, if you follow me, here's the deal. If you remain with me, Jesus says, you got to check in your baggage. You're saying, well, what's the baggage that we pick up? Can we talk about three today? Can we talk about three? I want you to write them down. Three different types of luggage, baggage that's easy to pick up in life. Guilt, grudges, and grief. Guilt, grudges, and grief. I want you to find yourself this morning. Some of you came in here heavy. Some of you came in here carrying baggage. You didn't know you were carrying baggage. You just got used to carrying that baggage, but it sucked all the joy out of your life. Some of you came in here this morning because the baggage you're carrying is the the baggage of guilt. It's the baggage of guilt. Here's the deal. You came in here this morning and you're carrying guilt because of all the things that you've done. And the good news of the gospel is this. We've already talked about this. Is that Jesus came. He came to take my place. My place for what? All the things I'm guilty of. 
And so the gospel says this, I'm guilty, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we're all sinners. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we're all sinners. And the gospel says Jesus came, died for all the things that I'm guilty of so that I can be forgiven of my sin. If you've never said yes to Jesus, that's the good news of the gospel. But listen close, there are many of you in the room today that are followers of Christ. And you would say this, I've said yes to Jesus. And yet if the truth be told, somewhere along the way, you're not sure it happened, somewhere along the way, you began this chase for something else in your life. This chase for fun, this chase for significance, this chase for whatever it is, and and it kind of took you away from Jesus. And along the way, somewhere in this chase for fun, there's things that you picked up along the way, and along the way, you got some baggage. And there's things that all of a sudden you carry with you that you feel very guilty about, you feel very ashamed of, you have things in your life that you regret, And here's the deal, no one else knows. No one else knows, but you do. It's heavy, it's exhausting, it's taken all the joy out of your life and you begin to think to yourself, I'm not sure what to do with my baggage. I'm not sure what to do with the things that I regret. I'm not sure what to do with the things that I'm ashamed of. I'm not sure what to do with the things that I'm guilty of that I know that I'm guilty of. I don't know how to work my way out of it. And a few weeks ago we said, well, quite frankly, there's three things you can do with it. And if you remember, here's the three things you can do with your guilt. You can compound it. You can say, man, I'm guilty. I might as well just add to it. (laughs) Woo, just have a party, right? I might as well just go all in. If I'm going to be guilty, I might as well just have a party. Might as well go all in. Might as well add to my luggage. Or, or I can somehow cover it. I can somehow try to cover it and make everybody think, hey, man, if they just all think this, no one ever know. But the problem is this, you know. You see, that's the problem. No one in this room knows, but you know. You know. And, and, and it's, it's heavy, and you know that you carry it everywhere you go. And it, it's, it's luggage that has literally sucked the joy out of your life. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, listen, you want my joy to be in you and your joy to be complete, and it be something that you keep? He says this, quit compounding it, quit covering it. And he says, Here's the deal. The story of Christmas is I can check my guilt in. And when I do, I can receive his pardon. I want you to write that down somewhere. I can check my guilt in. Can we fly that up there? I can check my guilt in to pick up his pardon. That's the secret of Christmas. That's the story of Christmas. Remaining with Jesus, remaining in his love means I go with him to the check-in counter when it comes to my guilt, and I check in my guilt. Stay with me, because I think there's a lot of people who grow up in church don't understand what this means. So you're saying, Dan, I check my guilt in. What does it mean to check my guilt in? Well, I'm glad you asked, because the book of 1 John is written to people who are followers of Christ. You need to know that. And there's a passage, some of you that did grow up in church, some of you grew up in church, you memorized this, but nobody really totally taught you what it meant. And here's what it says. 1 John 1 says this, verse 8, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. That's pretty interesting to know. If I say, hey, you know, I ain't got no guilt, guess what? You're kidding yourself. So we're all on even playing field, right? But then he says this, but... If we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just 
to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Here's what this means. Dan, what does it mean to check in your guilt? Well, this is the church word, confess it. It's like, what does that mean? Here's what it means. I humbly, you need to listen. I humbly and honestly bring it to God. Now listen close. And I call it exactly what he calls it. Confessing my sin isn't coming and saying, yeah, I'm sorry. Not as bad as Festus over here, but I'm yeah, sorry. I'll just kind of let you know. That's not what confession is. Confession is me standing in the presence of a holy God and saying, it's exactly what you say it is. It's exactly what you say it is. What's not as bad as, he's not saying that. He's saying, my guilt, that which I've sinned, call it what it is. That's confession. I come with humbleness, I come with honesty, and I leave my baggage there. And you know what he gives me? He gives me a ticket. You know what the ticket says? Forgiven, pardoned. He says, I got it from here. You don't got to worry about it anymore. How in the world does he do that? I'm glad you asked because if you look at 1 John, the, the, the verses right after verse 9 say this. If we claim we have not sinned, this is so interesting. If we say we have not sinned, we're calling who a liar? God. Wow. You see, it's interesting to look at others and say, well, I'm not as bad as them. But see, I come to God and I call it exactly what he calls it, showing that his word has no place in our hearts. My dear children... I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one and only who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Look here a second. How does this work? I want you to remember this. This might be worth writing down. The only way this works is the one who took my place. Remember we talked about that? That's Jesus. The one who took my place. When I confess my sin, he pleads my case. The one who took my place is the one who pleads my case. You're like, what does he plead? You know, Dan's not as bad as as you thought he was, God. Is that what he does? No. In fact, I would say maybe he says, you know, he's kind of worse than he even realizes. (laughs) Truth be told. But all this stuff that he's bringing and confessing, guess what? That's what I paid for. It is paid in full. You see, here's the deal. My guilt can be baggage that I carry around with me. And, 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 and the good news of Christmas is, is that, that my guilt can suck the joy out of me, but there's an answer, there's a solution. What's the solution? Remain with me. Well, where are you taking me? Right to the check-in counter. Check it in. Well, how do I do that? Call it what I call it. Let me plead your case and leave it there. Man, that's good news. Cause great joy. You know why? Because some of you are carrying a big bag of guilt this morning. And you're covering it. Everybody around you thinks you're incredible. You've sugar-coated it, covered it, but you know it's heavy. You just keep carrying it. And it sucks the joy out of your life. You see, here's what I know. The guilt that I carry... It's because of things I've done. But there's some of us in the room, we're not carrying that. We're carrying another set of luggage. You see, my guilt is because of the things that I've done. But my grudges are because of the things other people have done. And some of you are here this morning, and the luggage that you're carrying with you is 
luggage because other people have done things that are horrendous to you. Maybe some of you are here this morning and you're carrying luggage because people in your life, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's your siblings, your place at work, they've been unfair, they've been mean, they've lied, they've rejected, they haven't included you. Maybe they've hurt you, they've abused you. Maybe they've done unspeakable things to you. And here's the deal. You've been carrying around grudges. And, and the grudges that you're carrying because the more people are unfair to you and it becomes heavier and heavier. Here's the deal. Your grudges become this, this weight that all of a sudden sucks the joy out of you and you go from being somebody who was joyful to somebody who's bitter, cynical, sarcastic. Everybody you come in contact with, just ask your family to be honest with you, they get hit somehow with your luggage. They're like, whoa, what happened to you? And here's the deal. We're almost afraid to let go of our grudges. You know why? Stay with me. This hurts a little bit. Because we're afraid if somehow I let go of this, if I, if, if I let go of my grudges, the person who hurt me might get off the hook. We think if, if I let go of, of my grudges, somehow I won't have leverage with that person. But the truth of the matter is, the longer we keep a hold of our grudges, it just literally sucks the joy out of our life. And Jesus said, hey, listen, listen, remain with me. You can't find your joy. He says, remain with me. Well, how do I remain with Jesus when it comes to my grudges? What does it mean for me to remain with him? Here's what he says. I want you to bring those grudges to the very same check-in counter. And he says this, I can check in my grudges And I can experience his forgiveness. I can check in. Can we flip that slide? I can check in my grudges and experience his forgiveness. Now here's the deal. If you're staying with me on this, this morning, you ought to read that. Look here a second. You ought to read that and be like, I think Dan made a mistake. You ought to be reading that and be like, because you know something, I got grudges not because I need to experience forgiveness, but because somebody else, right? And when you read that, you're like, Dan, did you, did you write that wrong up there? Is, is, is that supposed to say I can check in my grudges so that somebody else can be forgiven? And the truth of the matter is this, I wrote it that way on purpose. Here's why. Listen close. Some of you, you ought to write this down somewhere. Because the only, the only, I don't know if I said this, the only power I know for you to extend forgiveness to others is to experience his forgiveness at a very deep level. It is the only power to let go of your grudges. It's not willpower. It's not some preacher making you feel guilty. It's only when I experience the forgiveness God extends to me. Can we be honest? It's human nature to want to get our pound of flesh. It's human nature to want to settle the score. And yet, here's what God says. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. He says, get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all rage. Get rid of anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Well, what do I do? And and, and what do I do in place of that? Be kind to each other. Okay, that's hard if somebody's hurt you. Be tenderhearted. I don't feel like it. Forgiving one another. How? Thanks for asking. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. 
Guys, listen to me. This is so important. If this will somehow begin to resonate, the only way for you to successfully check in the baggage of your grudges, of your bitterness, of that which is causing rage, it's the very thing. Whatever that person did to you, maybe last year, maybe this year, maybe 10 years ago, maybe it's somebody who's dead and gone. You've been carrying it around. And what it has created is bitterness and rage and cynical nature and and hostility in your heart. And you keep carrying it around and you keep hurting people in the process. Here's what he's saying. The only power to extend forgiveness and let go of your grudges is to experience the forgiveness that he offers. And some of you, I already know what you're thinking. Oh, man, I'm a Christian. I've been forgiven. I want to tell you something. You don't even have to agree with me on this, but I think I'm right. (laughs) When I read Matthew 18... I think what Jesus said is this, is that you will never, you ready? You will never, ever be able to embrace all of the blessing that God has for you as long as you hang on to the baggage in your life. As long as I got this baggage, I can't. He's saying, I want you to let the baggage go, and it's only then that I can receive the full extent and experience the full extent of the forgiveness he offers. Martin Luther King said it this way. He said, my bitterness is blindness. I think he's right. I think that when I'm bitter, I'm blind to the forgiveness that I have from God. You see, if we're just being honest, some of you can't find a way to keep joy in your life because you've been carrying a grudge for years made you mean it's made you negative it's made you pessimistic and sucked the joy out of your life others of you you've been carrying guilt around and no one else knows it but it's heavy you're not sure what to do with it and Jesus says remain with me remain with me so that you can keep your joy so that your joy can be complete check it in let's see here's what I know you ready because this one's more difficult you see, your guilt is because of things you've done. Your grudges, that's because of things other people have done. But there's one more set of luggage, and that's your grief. And your grief is simply because of what life has done. And some of you are sitting here this morning, you're like, man, life is hard. Life is disappointing. Life is tough. Life hasn't met my expectations. Some of you are sitting here this morning and saying, the life and what life has dealt me is what has sucked the joy out of me. I love the fact that Jesus never minces words. I love what he says in John 16, one page over from John 15, verse 22. He's honest with his followers. He says, hey, guess what? You have sorrow now, but I'm going to see you again. Then you rejoice. No one's going to be able to rob you of that joy. Go down to verse 33. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you may have trials of many, uh, many trials and sorrows, but take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Look here a second. Jesus doesn't sugarcoat. He said, listen, if you follow me, you're going to have grief, trials, disappointment. Well, then how in the world do I keep joy in the middle of the tough stuff in my life? Well, Jesus had a half-brother. His name was James. I don't know if you knew that or not. And he wrote a letter. 
In his letter, he says something very interesting that's worth making note of. James chapter 1. Here's what it says. Consider it. Consider it. Consider it. You're saying, why do you keep repeating that? Because look here a second. I just want to see you. Bible, let it come alive. Those are the two most important words in this passage. They don't seem like it, do they? Let's just be honest. They don't seem like it. They are. I'm going to tell you why in a minute. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever, not if, you face trials of many kinds, you will face trials. You will face grief. Well, why should I consider it pure joy? Because you know. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Look here a second. Can we be honest? Sound like James is writing an oxymoron, isn't it? You know, raise your hand if you know what an oxymoron is. You know it's like jumbo shrimp, pretty ugly. It looks like he's saying good grief, right? He's like saying trials consider it pure joy. It's almost like, James, what are you saying? Like, how in the world can I count it pure joy? Because my trials suck the joy out of my life. And here's the secret. He says, consider it. He says, count it. You're like, how's that the secret? Here's how that is the secret. That is literally in the original language it was written in an aorist imperative. You can forget that. Because I will after this. But here's what it means. Okay, this is what you can't forget. The way that word is written means this. Make up your mind right now, today, to consider it joy, not when you're going through the trial. What he's saying is, I want you to make an intellectual appraisal right now. To, it's an accounting term. Put it in the column as joy. I want you to count it joy when the trial comes. Some of you are going to face trials in 2018. What he's saying is, December 17th, 2017, count it joy. I would, I would state it this way. He says this, all of y'all are going to have grief. He says, when you're checking in your baggage, be sure to pick up joy. Because if you'll pick up joy in your life, joy is going to be the very thing that is going to be your carry-on as part of life you're going to carry your grief with. He said, pick up joy because it's your joy. Can we flip that slide? It's your joy that's going to help you carry your grief. That's what he's saying. He says, consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds. Counting it joy, what does it mean to pick up joy? Well, what Jesus says is, remain with me. That, that, that as you go through life, you're going to encounter things that are difficult, but I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to stop working. I'm going to do things even in the midst of things that are difficult. I'm going to produce things in your life. And then he says this in James chapter 1, verse 5. He says, if you need to, you can ask, and I'll give you wisdom. I might not tell you why you're facing it, but I'm going to help you navigate it. Guys, listen to me. This is so important I am so afraid this morning that, you're, that, that this is going to go shh, shh, because we've got Christmas on our mind. Here's the deal. This is so important. You will never enjoy your life unless you take joy into your life. You see, here's the difference. A lot of people go into life looking for joy. Christmas says, I can live my life from joy. If you want to enjoy your life, you got to take joy into your life. Well, 
how do I take joy into my life? The source of joy is Jesus. In John 15, okay, in John 15, it says this, everybody, look here, you got to get this. He's saying, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Everybody will go through times of cutting. Everybody's going to face hard times. Listen, for those, for those whose source of joy is Jesus, the hard times they face, just like a vine and branches, is going to drive them deeper into the vine. You're like, I'm a Christ follower. I shouldn't have any problems. Quit watching that TV show. I'm serious. Quit reading that book. John 15 says, no matter who you are, there's going to be times that are tough. Well, what do I do in grief? I just, man, it's hard. He's like, you got to count it joy. How do I do that? Connect yourself to the vine. Remain in me. And when those times of cutting come, it does one of two things. It either drives you into the source of your joy, or if somehow the source of your joy is experiences and things and this and stuff you can buy, it's going to drive you away from Jesus. And you're going to be disappointed, like, Jesus, you're not taking care of me. That's what he's saying. That's all he's saying. He's saying, you're going to have grief. You're going to have things in your life that are hard. And the hard things in your life will either drive you deeper into the source of your joy or it'll drive you away. Jesus says, remain in me. And when you do, you must drop your baggage. But but there's something else. It's, It's actually so dumb that I almost hesitate to say it. Because when you go to the airport, you check in your baggage, right? But wouldn't you think I was dumb? Wouldn't you think you were dumb if you checked in your baggage and sat in the terminal and never left? (laughs) I mean, that would be dumb, wouldn't it? If I checked in my baggage and I just sat in the terminal and a day passed, a week passed, a month passed, I'm like, whew, glad I got my baggage cared for. See, there's a lot of people, listen close, and you might be one. They have no joy. You know why? Because you're like, man, I'm glad I can check my baggage in. But you've checked in your baggage and you're just sitting there. And Jesus said, I want you to remain with me. And if I'm going to keep joy in my life, I need to get on the plane. Like Jesus has something for me to do. Jesus has places he wants me to go. He says the band comes out and we end with a song today. I just kind of want to talk to you for a minute because some of you are here this morning and you're like, man, I ain't got no joy. Well, the truth of the matter is you might not have joy because you're carrying baggage, but there's some of you that have no joy. You can't keep your joy. Can I just, can can I be honest with you? You ain't got no joy. You know why? Because you're sitting in the terminal and, 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 and you're just waiting and you're just hanging out. And, and this morning, Jesus says, remain with me, remain in me. He's saying, I have things that I'd like for you to do. I have places I want you to go. I have ways I want you to invest your life. And, and Jesus said, never did I ever think the Christian life was, was something where you just sit and spectate. <laughs> And he said, if you want to keep joy in your life, I want you to remain with me and we're not going to stay in the terminal. Like that neighbor you live beside, that, that, that classroom of kids, like I got things I want you to do. I got places I want you to go. I have things I want you to experience. That's joy. Joy is in the journey with Jesus. And he said, get on the plane. 
And see, some of you, somewhere along the way, you've replaced joy with fun, with success, with wealth, and you found neither joy nor happiness nor fun. And Jesus said, I'm the source of joy. You know, we had some fun at the very beginning with a song called Jingle Bells where the original lyrics were replaced. The original lyrics were, oh, what joy, and they replaced it with fun. Kind of made me think about something. I don't know what it made you think about, but it made me think of this invention they had called Fun Size Candy Bars. Raise your hand, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah? Raise your hand if you give them out of Halloween, right? Yeah, I'm not coming to your house. Yeah, what's interesting about fun size Snicker bars or whatever candy bar is your favorite? You know, what's interesting about that, if we're just being honest, is they made them really small. And when you get a fun size candy bar, you find out something pretty quick. And that's this that there's not enough. Like, you can't just have one, right? It's like if you're going to have one of those fun size ones, you got to have another one that leads to another one. In fact, what's interesting is this these fun size candy bars in our culture have replaced something that I like a lot more. See if you recognize that. King size, candy bars. Fun size replaced king size. I look at those two and I'm like, why would anybody want fun size when you could have king size? Because when you eat a king size candy bar, you know what you find? In fact, I found, did a little research. I just got to do this kind of stuff. 2013, they quit making king size Snicker bars. They don't make them anymore. All we got's fun size, regular size. When you eat a king size candy bar, you know what? You have more than enough. <laughs> you have more than enough. In fact, you have enough that you can maybe share some with your wife or your husband or your kids, right? Like, why would anybody want a fun size candy bar when you can have a king size? And I began thinking to myself, somewhere along the way, joy got replaced with fun. I gotta find fun. I gotta somehow party it up. Get it. I gotta somehow bring happy. I gotta, and we start chasing and we leave joy. And we leave the message of Christmas, which says, Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. <laughs> and somewhere along the way, we started chasing fun and we left the king. And the story of Christmas is this the story of Christmas is joy to the world. There's a place to bring your baggage and you don't got to carry it anymore. Like that's joy. Anybody think that's joy? Like you can run through life without your baggage. But, but not only can you check your baggage in, come on, Jesus like hop on the plane. Have you ever experienced where I want to take you? That's joy. That somehow Jesus, the source of joy, doesn't just save me from my guilt, from my grudges, from my stuff, but he saves me for a journey. And part of the joy is, let's get on the journey. Because there's joy in Jesus. He said, like, you're going to face some tough st stuff along the way. I'm going to help you. I'm going to be right there with you. There's going to be things that are going to be difficult. I might even be producing something in you along the way. But he said, that's how joy came to the world. And he said, I want you to remain with me. Why? So that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. So God, as we sing this song to end this service, 
I think I got people in this room who got baggage. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you got baggage and maybe this morning you need to just be honest with God. Say, God, I'm bringing my guilt. I'm calling it what you call it. I I, I want to get rid of this load of guilt. This morning I'm confessing it. Maybe you got some grudges and maybe this morning you need to come and say, God, I want to experience the full extent of your forgiveness so that I can extend it. I'm tired of carrying these grudges. And, and maybe this morning, what, what you need to do is get on the plane and say, God, I've been sitting in the terminal. I've been sitting doing nothing. I've just been sitting and soaking. And, and this morning, I want to get on the plane. I want to experience all the joy there is in following Jesus. God, I'm so grateful that there is joy to the world because of Jesus, that there's joy in my world because of Jesus. And so this morning, God, I pray that you would help us to celebrate Jesus, the joy that came to the world that first Christmas. I pray this in Jesus' name. Let's stand and sing.